As the 70s turned into the 80s, some things didn't change. Largo still had a world-class marching band. And it still had a boys' cross-country program that everyone in the state wanted to beat. At the end of episode 8, you heard the voice of a Lado runner, how he had modeled his racing on the track after Largo's Basil McGee. In the 1980 cross-country season, Basil McGee was not around. He was in his freshman year at the University of Tennessee. Largo had a somewhat unproven lineup, and Lado saw an opening. The voice you heard was that of Joe Goldstein. It's been great going down memory lane. He's one of the reasons Lado thought it had an opening. Joe Goldstein went on to win the state title in track in the 880 in 1982. Here's why I'm telling you about Joe Goldstein's state championship. His title in the 880, again, that's two laps around a track, is the only one that Lado has ever had that can be counted as a distance event. As good as Lado was as a team, it never truly had that individual star the way Largo did. So Lado saw its opening in 1980. And that year and the following few years are the focus of this episode, episode nine of All the Miles Matter. All the miles matter, now let's make some noise. But it wasn't to be for the long red row that season. As Bart Sellers went unbeaten, winning the state individual title and leading the Packers to another team title, their seventh since 1970. It was a three-point margin, 61 to 64, Remember that low score wins in cross country. Lado finished second. Sellers then won the mile and two mile on the track in the spring of 1981, completing the Triple Crown. So McGee and Sellers had combined to win four state individual titles in short order, and Largo was in the midst of a three-peat of state titles in cross country. Some runners in the state meet in Lake Worth ran as expected. One of those was Sellers. Lado's Pedro Enriquez was another one of those who ran as expected. He finished third. Teammate Mark Altamari was ninth. Terry Black, tenth, giving the long red row three finishers in when Largo had just two. Largo's other was sixth place, Bruce Onsbach. Largo's Ken McCain nipped Goldstein for twelfth place, meaning Largo had three of the top twelve, but Lado had four of the top thirteen and just needed one more runner to complete its scoring. One thing that probably wasn't in the Lado scouting report of Largo that day was the finish of Largo freshman Chris Palmer. He was 16th. It's a stellar finish. You don't expect a freshman to be there in the scoring runners for really any program, but especially not Largo's. And then a runner named Danny Leeper for Largo finished 26th. Coach Haley has a few words to say about Danny Leeper. He was our number five guy in 1980 and 1981. And he didn't get any publicity, didn't get any recognition, didn't get any of that. But we won 10 state championships, but if we don't have him, we'd have won eight. The Packers would go on to win the 1981 title without Bart Sellers, which put even more focus on runners four and five in the scoring order. Now, one more thing to say about 1980 before we fast forward to 1982. I mentioned Chris Palmer's finish perhaps being a surprise because he was a freshman. 
Well, a Lato sophomore named Jeff Chapman had a similarly surprising run that day, even though Lato came up short. He ran at a faster pace than he had all season, perhaps a little too fast, but he gave Lato a chance to win, even though he faded and was passed by a group of runners at the end. To the casual observer, they would watch the state meet and said that our fifth man lost it for us. That's my point, because 15 meters out from the finish line, he had six guys, a pack of six, run by him. You look at that and say all he had to do was finish in front of those guys and we win the state meet. But the truth of the matter is he ran a race that I would not have thought possible for him to run to put himself in the position that he was. If he runs his normal race, we're losing by a lot more than three points. He gave us a chance. He was just a 10th grader at the time, you know, and of the seven lined up in 1980, he probably had our best race. Perhaps obvious, but that was the voice of Lato coach Bobby Ennis. Now fast forward to 1982. Jeff Chapman is a senior, and while Largo still had plenty of talent, it didn't have a true thoroughbred. It didn't have Basil or Bart. The Long Red Row won the Astronaut Invitational. I remember the first race my senior year. We beat Largo. That was Chapman talking about what was traditionally the first race of the season for the programs. Lato beat Largo in Titusville, and the Long Red Row was feeling pretty good, but it was only September. At that point in time, we thought we were just as good as Largo. But then, lo and behold, Largo wins the next four times they face each other. They win the Lato Invitational, the Largo Invitational, the Bullfrog Creek Invitational, and the region meet, which is the meet just before the state meet. You know, the the mystique had overtaken us at that point in time. We went from the beginning of the year thinking we're the team to beat until a month later, Largo's the team to beat. The Lato guys knew full well the history of Largo. In fact, to hear Chris Duggan talk about it, they were even quizzed on Largo's history. I just remember like Coach Ennis would, in practice, he would do trivia and talk about Largo. And, and I can remember I answered a question once about Basil McGee, you know, being the mile record holder at state meet and stuff. And he would let you know, this is how you want to practice and this is what you want to do. He would build those guys up. But then we started having our own success. And, you know, we had the Mark Altamares and the Pedro Enriquez and the Joe Goldsteins and so as a guy coming in, you'd hear those names. So we had some history finally. So it didn't have to always be Largo, but it was just, we never had just the, the studs like Largo had, but we just had a bunch of good guys. But it was because we heard the stories about Largo and we wanted to, we wanted to be Largo. And we, what was Coach Innocence? There was a, but do you remember Avis, we try harder because they were trying to beat Hertz, I think at the time. So I remember he brought that up. You know, we're like Avis guys. We're going to try, we have to try harder to, to beat Largo. We never ruled ourselves out of a meet just because it was Largo, but we knew the history of Largo. We aspire to be like Largo. We had so much respect for those guys, but we work hard. And I remember, you know, coach would always say, put your mileage in on the weekends because you know the Largo guys are. And yeah, we knew that the Largo guys were. So we all had to be out there doing our thing too. Several Lado runners recall what it was like to mentally prepare to take on Largo and then to get past that mental barrier and actually beat the Packers in a consequential race. It did not happen in 1980, but that state meet defeat that year stuck with the runners who were there in 1982. 
One of those runners was Tommy Hampton. He was a senior and captain. That 1980 season, that still, it sat with us, even though we weren't all necessarily in that varsity race. It was something that was deep down inside of us. We knew how much that had affected Coach Ince and how he knew that that was really probably the best shot he had had up to that point to walk away with a state title. And we carried that with us all the way to our senior year. I believe going into that season, we were still ranked number two behind Largo. We just felt like we had something to prove. The, you know, the stage was set for it, but it was going to be a heck of a, of a challenge. It's the Friday before Thanksgiving, November 1982, and Coach Bobby Ennis can't sleep. His team is in the same motel as Largo, the West Virginia Motel just south of the DeLand Airport in Volusia County. I'm going to get to that part about Coach Ennis not being able to sleep in a little bit. But first, here's his recall of the role Tommy Hampton played for the Long Red Row that day in 1982. He was basically our number four man, and at State, he was our number three. As that race unfolded, it was my opinion, based on our positioning, that Tommy was out too fast. The fact that he was able to hold on and then when three quarters of a mile to go, inspire his teammates. He came by me. Uh, you come off, it was at the DeLand Airport. You come off the airport, and you run a loop that's not, you know, out there on the runways and airports. It's a grass loop that's about a half mile coming back around. And he passed me, and, and I'm cheering. And seeing where he was in the race with a half mile to go, and it looked like he was going to stay there, gave me a lot of confidence that we had a chance and neil i just my knees got weak and i just kind of went down into almost praying i went down to my knees and i did it at the moment that tommy looked over at me smiling and gave me a thumbs up and i I just thought oh we've got it now that's on the heels of the night before when we're staying at the motel i can't sleep and i'm just i go outside and i'm walking in the parking lot and uh I'm just walking around and then I'm sitting on my car and Tommy comes out of his room. Of course, they're supposed to be in their rooms going to sleep. He comes out of his room and he says, coach, just go to sleep. We're going to win tomorrow. We're going to be great. Don't worry about it. And with that, I went back in my room and Tommy went back in his room. He came up huge. He really did. He was the difference. Thomas Hampton ran the race of his life. You want to give everybody on the team credit, but. Tommy Hampton was that senior captain, we're going to win this thing. There was just an immense amount of adrenaline ahead of the race and as we started. And in fact, the first mile was just a blur. It's just such a big race. There's so much uh, of the emotion going into it. It is before I really became even conscious. You know, we were already a a bit over a mile in. And when I realized at that point, yeah, I felt pretty good after that mile. You usually know, you know, when you're about that far into the race, how you're feeling, get a good sense of, of where you may be. And about mile and a half, I was really feeling pretty strong. But the bad thing was I could see that two of our runners were just not in the place that they normally were, and I was coming up on them pretty quickly. I knew that given where they were, uh, we were not positioned to beat Largo. And as I came on them, 
I just had one of those moments and I just kind of screamed at him, grabbed him both by the jersey and just screamed, let's go. I mean, we got to go. And I guess that was enough to um, whatever they had going on. It, you know, they, they got beyond it. And, and we just together kind of ran through that, um, that back half of the race. I believe we had passed a couple of Largo runners in that last half of the race. Who exactly the two runners were that Tommy Hampton urged to get moving actually remains up for debate. That's one of those things that when our memories fade as we get older, some of those details get a little fuzzy. But the key part is, it happened. I I mean, it was like one of those Tom Brady moments or something. There was so much in me that wanted us to win that race. And I knew that they just weren't having the race that they should have been having. I just couldn't go by them without trying to get some, get them going because I knew they were they had much more potential than what they they happened to be running in that race at that moment based on the race finishing order the people he talked to were Robert Thomas and Chris Duggan who was a junior on that 1982 team and Tommy Hampton's thumbs up to coach Ennis late in the race didn't really mean anything because no one had actually done the math this was going to be just like 1980 Another close race. The wait to hear the team scores was agonizing. They had the hand score it. They didn't have the computers. And it took forever. You could just cut the tension with a knife. There was a whole shack over there. It was at the DeLand Airport. The meat officials had gone inside the shack to count things. And I'm standing with with Coach Haley. We're probably 40 yards from the shack. So when uh, they came out and delivered the results, and we had won by three points. When they made that announcement that... We had won. It was just phenomenal. We just couldn't believe it. Um, I was ecstatic, and our kids and parents and everybody's jumping around celebrating. And Brent, Brent looked right at me and said, you know, as badly as I want to win, and we always want to win at Largo, and I've got great kids that really work hard, he said, part of me is very excited because I, I just felt like, as a coach, you deserve to have a state championship, and I'm glad to see that Leto won one. That meant a lot to me because he was my mentor. I'll tell you today what I knew back then. I don't think Leto would have ever had the success we had. And we had great kids had it not been for Brent Haley because he took me under his wings and he was my mentor. We ran the meet according to plan. And then the second part of the race was just Tommy Hampton coming out of nowhere. Robert Thomas is our third best runner, but was having an awful day. And Thomas Hampton. One of the, not the most talented runner, but the most heart of the team. Lato beat Largo, 103 to 106. The places and the names. 12th, Jeff Chapman. 13th, Chris Duggan. 17th, Tommy Hampton. 20th, Robert Thomas. 41st, Norris Garner, the Long Red Row, was the 4A state champion. This is Tommy Hampton of the Long Red Row, and you're listening to All the Miles Mattered.